0: Hello, my friends. Thank you so much for tuning in to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast. This show is for veterans, first responders, and their families, and honestly, for anybody who wants to recover from trauma. We are on a mission to save lives and relieve pain by making help for PTS injuries easily accessible. Our vision is of a world where the path to recovery is clear. Please help with this mission by following and rating this show on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This simple action will help others find help for PTS injuries. Your help in promoting this podcast could be saving a life. Good morning, all you beautiful souls. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. We also explore some of the causes of trauma and what could be more traumatic than human trafficking. So I have an expert on today, Rosie Cataldo, coming to me from the States. I appreciate it, Rosie, making the time.
1: Thank you so much for having me and expanding your platform to cover this really important topic.
0: Well, I'm curious about it. And if anything that uh, Craig Sawman Sawyer says is even halfway true, and I think it's all true, unfortunately, um, it's something we got to talk about more because people aren't talking about it. So let's start with definitions. When we're talking about human trafficking, what are we actually talking about? How would you define it, and what are the different forms?
1: Well, great question. There are many forms. Human trafficking can be defined as force, fraud, and coercion. Um, but when you, when you pull out a, a true definition of what it is, people think, well, what, what are you talking about? So human trafficking is, um, when you're speaking about sex trafficking, it is uh, paid, paid rape. So, And we're, when we're talking about child trafficking, it's paid child rape. So, and there is a market for it. Very sadly, a huge market for it.
0: So, whose kids are under threat? Can this happen to my kids, or is it just kids that are snuck across the uh, the Mexico border in the dark at night? How does this happen?
1: Uh, Well, another great question. Um, Vulnerabilities are a huge, um, a huge thing that traffickers look for so and those that's a huge huge range so I feel that you know obviously if you have food insecurities housing insecurities um, you're new to an area you're a new immigrant those are those can be vulnerabilities also vulnerabilities um, within your own home if you live in an unsafe environment uh, maybe you're um, couch surfing, you don't want to be at home, uh, you want to get away from your parents, you're couch surfing, you are um, looking for a place to crash, you might exchange uh, services for sex, for a place to stay, um, things like that. But also um, people who come from affluent homes and maybe mom and dad aren't around, um, the Child isn't getting a lot of attention. The child looks, or a teenager uh, looks, to social media to gain attention, and overshares, uh, overshares drama in the household, overshares um, hypersexualized images, and um, that is one way that um, predators, online predators, will look and say, "Oh, okay, this person is really looking for attention. I'm going to give it to them." So, lots of. It. Lots and lots of different ways, and there are lots of different um, there are lots of different types of traffickers as well, and lots of different tactics. But there is there can be um, abduction involved. That is not the majority. The majority of cases within trafficking are formed through relationships. So it's being tricked into trust, uh, and so it's really important to. Uh, We live in such a distracted age, uh, which is a huge disservice to trusting our own um, intuition and our own initial gut response to people and situations and circumstances. So I'd say that is a huge, um, a huge bonus you can give to your kids or your loved ones as to when you're unsure about a certain situation or a person to always uh, go to that first. So that can because traffickers are just supreme manipulators. They are. They're entrepreneurs in the worst sense of the word. And they know how to seek out those vulnerabilities and go in and swoon and get someone to trust them. And I've seen it happen within a few days. And I can give an, examples of that if you would like. And I've seen it happen in a couple of years. So.
0: And that's the grooming, the grooming process that we're talking about
1: hmm Yes.
0: That's something that I understand on a very personal level. Uh, when I was seven years old, uh, an older family member started the grooming process with me. And it didn't take very long because I had every kid is looking for an older person, an adult, an um, authority figure to tell them that they're okay, to say that you're good enough, you matter, you matter in this world. Every human being is looking for that. The number one human emotional need is affirmation. That pat on the back that you matter, you count, you exist, um, and you're accepted. And, and I like you. Didn't have that from, um, from my dad. So the older person in my life that did uh, provide that for me, once he started telling me some stuff, you know, I, well, that's Fucking weird! What are you talking about? And, you know what? Do, what do you mean we do that? It's like, oh no, no! This is this is the special bonding process, and by doing this, we are more than just friends. We are now brothers, and and this is the deeper, more um, intimate way of being close to each other. Now, when you're seven years fucking old, and you want, and you're being told that you can be brought into a special club that and have, you know, this very, very special relationship, you're seven years old. And it's the same grooming process that happened to me from an older family member that happens to these uh, kids who don't feel like they're enough, who don't feel like they matter. So as soon as somebody that's nice to them, that's older, that they look up to, that seems to have their stuff together, maybe has some money, perhaps a nice car, and... As soon as these people um, start paying attention to you with a smile and some kindness, whatever they say becomes the law and becomes your reality. Is what I'm describing um, resonate with you as far as how the grooming process works?
1: Yes, uh, you're spot on, and th- and I'm first of all I commend you for sharing that, and thank you. Thank you very much. And it's really important to share those stories so that other people know that they're not alone and that there are there's real and true help available. And that is precisely one of the um, huge risk factors um, that exploiters rely on um, to further to cause even you know, further damage to to people. Including well, children.
0: Let's talk about that damage. Now, I wasn't able to come out of the closet, so to speak, till I was about forty-eight. So, I mean, it's the type of secret that um, rarely comes out. I think very few people bring it out, and by bringing it out, it takes the power away from it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can forget. I,
0: do? I, I forget where I was going to go with that. I had, I had, I had a point.
1: That's huge. It's a huge step in healing. It's a massive step in healing. And, um, I, I partner with a man who has a story just like yours, um, Victor Pacini, he's outside of Chicago and he has an amazing program called childhood victories. And we bring it to, we brought it to seven States. He started, he's been in schools for 23 years And there was a law called Aaron's Law that passed in his home state of Illinois um, that mandates uh, body safety education, so specifically sexual abuse prevention education. And when that law was passed in 2014 in his home state... Uh, he was encouraged to share his story. So he developed a curriculum um, called Be Seen and Heard. And so he goes into schools and shares his story. He's like a Mr. Rogers meets Quentin Tarantino. He's a wonderful man. He kept an unsafe secret for eight years or for um, 11 years. He was abused by a family friend at age eight and told no one till college. So he tells kids don't be like me don't keep an unsafe secret and so it's really a beautiful thing it's so empowering it's not only life-changing for the child um it's also um life-changing for the family and on a systemic level as well and um that's that's a massive amount of healing right there because you're that's a huge shift so um I purposely partnered with him because I said, what you're doing is just incredible. It's so needed. Every child deserves this. And of the kids who are uh, abused, it's roughly one in four girls, one in six boys. And you have to take statistics with a grain of salt, of course. It's, in fact, more than that because we know, just like you shared, not every child will disclose abuse. So it's an epidemic. It really is, and um, it seems to me
0: that the reason it's an epidemic is because it is so hard to say. Um, I'm a one of the most open people uh, that most people will ever meet. Uh, the, the show is proof of that, and yet it took me till the age of 48 before I could finally tell my wife.
1: Wow!
0: And that is not. That's just not easy. And, but that is how this, that's how it works. And that's why it's such an epidemic. Because if nobody's talking about it, then nobody knows exactly what's going on and just how big the problem is because nobody's talking about it. And then it's Mm -hmm. allowed to continue. And if people don't know the warning signs, how the grooming process works, then it just continues and continues. Now, let's Mm -hmm. talk about the impact. That's where I was going uh, originally, Uh, it, it came back to me. The impact okay. on kids. So it, um, the reason I was uh, sharing my own story, because I didn't realize until my 40s, when I looked back on the impact that it had on my life personally, which was huge, huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my, um, how I viewed myself, how I view others, what I thought of gay people, um, all of it w- was affected because of um, uh, what started when I was seven years old so what could you share about the impact that um of sexual interference with a seven year old can have on the rest of their life
1: yeah it's if it's if you don't um if the individual doesn't get the help that they need, the impact can be very devastating and even you know it cause death there is an incredible study called the ACES study that's out. It's adverse childhood experiences. And the doctor who started this study, it was back in the 70s, he was helping, he was doing uh, research and helping obese people lose weight. And he would have these wonderful outcomes and someone would lose a hundred pounds and then and then later on, they would gain it back. And he was like, "What? What's going on here?" And he um, the start, the study kicked off by an accidental question. He asked instead of asking um, what instead of asking what age a person. Um, what weight a person was when they became sexually active. He accidentally asked, what age were you when you became sexually active? And it was a very young age. And he was realizing that, oh, my gosh, this is a defense mechanism. The weight is a defense mechanism. It's a, a protective mechanism so that um, then other people might not want to engage and interact in a sexual way because you've got this um you've got size as a protection mechanism so that was that really kick-started his study and researching um adverse childhood experiences so um adverse childhood experiences have been just um just wonderful uh as far as research and um Crossover with pediatricians because now it is used to assess the health um, of a child. So let's say a child uh, has asthma. Okay, well, let's not only talk about family history. Let's talk about what type of environment you're growing up in. Are you in a really unsafe neighborhood? Do you have violence? Do you have gun violence? Do you have? Are you living with someone who's unsafe in your home? Uh, let's say you have. Um, Someone who is volatile and violent in your home, well, you have um, a level of stress. You've got toxic stress that is always there. It's just kind of a, you know, there's a range of it, but you always have to brace yourself when this, you know, could be a monster comes home. Um, let's say you're camping and a bear's chasing you. You are, you know, your adrenaline just, everything kicks into gear and you run out of there. Well, that's how a lot of you know, people who are in unsafe homes, that's what they're living with. Um, so when you have levels of toxic stress that are frequent, that is extremely detrimental to your mental and physical health. It actually alters your DNA, not only to your person, but then that's transferred to the next generation as well.
0: We're talking about epigenetics.
1: Yes, exactly. So that can manifest in different ways. It can manifest as um, it heart issues, uh, diabetes, cancer, and uh, mental health conditions, um, promiscuity, um, hypersexualization, depression, anxiety. And so you've got these avoids that manifest in different ways. And how do you treat that? So um, some people look to drugs or alcohol. And you know what? Congratulations, you found a coping mechanism. Um, so, But we want people to find a healthy coping mechanism. So well,
0: They don't even realize, I think, most times that, th- that that's what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. I was a sex addict, and I didn't realize that that was a coping mechanism. Um, I, mean, I realized it was unusual and and not healthy for anybody, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't realize until much much longer. Oh, I see now. This is a mm-hmm. this is a desperate attempt to feel validated. That's what this mm-hmm. is, and I, I, did, really, and
1: I I'm didn't. I'm glad you brought that
0: up. Yeah, at, uh, but it, that's the same with all addictions. People that that are addicted. Well, I just really like my whiskey
1: hmm
0: No. I mean, I like mm-hmm. whiskey too, but I haven't had a drop in over two years. But, well, um thank you. But, but it's, not, it's, it's not what's going on. When you do the digging, there's something else going on. There's something else being masked. But I think mm-hmm. a, a lot of people that are in addiction don't even realize that they're in addiction because they are uh, justifying it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you see it in all all sorts of addiction, food addiction, drugs, alcohol, sex, even um, extreme working out, um, you know, sure. people just beating up their bodies. That's all trying to cope, cope with the trauma. So, and I'm really glad that you brought that up because number one, it's super courageous of you to be so open and vulnerable and it's also a reason why we have such a demand for buying sex. Sadly, the U.S. is the number one demand for purchasing sex. And online we have the most URLs for um, child sexual abuse material. Why so do you, you think that the, is? Just what you said. Just what you said. It's filling voids. It's not, it's not finding healthy ways to fill voids. And, and then on another, you know, another area is, you know, people who have experienced abuse may not be able to break the cycle and they practice that abuse on other people um, instead of being able to break the cycle themselves. So we've got that one type of perpetrator who can't break the cycle and then we've got a whole new type of perpetrator in this digital age, this complex digital age that we are now fully in, in that people may have a, a porn addiction. And then, hey, this isn't really tripping my trigger. I'm going to go purchase sex. and Yeah, this isn't really doing it for me. And, um, I mean, I need a bigger dopamine hit. I'm going to go younger, and I'm going to go more violent. An example of this
0: is um, there was a documentary. I used to lo- love the WWE wrestling, and Jake the Snake Roberts did a de- uh, um Documentary and of course when you're the the big hot uh, wrestler uh, getting the ladies was pretty easy and it would be two at a time then three at a time then four at a time and he says if i didn't have at least two at a time i couldn't even get erect like i just Mm -hmm. there was just nothing there because he kept raising the bar and raising the bar and raising the bar and Mm -hmm. uh, it's like that with a lot of different things but also with sexual urges i wanted to uh, talk culturally your opinion on a couple of things so things like um uh Child beauty pageants where they're uh sexualized and they got the makeup on and they're seven years old. Um things like the Netflix show cuties and uh, mm-hmm. where they're hypersexualized uh, uh performing um uh pantomiming sex acts uh, as as part of the dance. Mm-hmm. To me, this is part of um supporting the grooming process uh what's Absolutely. your what what's your perspective on those two things uh the, the show cuties on Netflix uh, which mm-hmm. apparently they're doing a sequel for Christ's sake and uh, and child beauty pageants
1: I think it's a trickle down of intentional desensitization so bringing you know bringing that hypersexualization down to younger and younger younger ages mm-hmm. And, um, because when it happens subtly and over time, people miss it and they just accept it. And that is, it's, it takes people to really take a step back, look at it and say, I don't want that for my child. I don't want, you know, I have a hard enough time. We have three kids and they're young Some are young adults, and I have a hard enough time when I see guys looking at our oldest um, walking down the street, you know, eyeing her up and down. I have a hard enough time with that. So why would I want to bring any further unwanted attention to my younger child and hypersexualize them? It's—in my opinion, it's part of the desensitization agenda to— eventually cross over that hey it 's not a big deal it 's not a big deal there are pedophile groups trying to add a p to the Lgtbq title that 's a problem that is including a criminal act onto a completely different set of groups yeah so, the, uh, the,
0: the new term is minor attracted person uh, yeah, trying to okay. to legitimize to legitimatize legitimatize um child rape.
1: Right. Not okay. Not, not okay. okay. It's it's a it's criminal. It's against the law. It causes I mean, we're seeing that seep up now with lots of um you know, lots of gender confusion and um people like let's just to rewind, trauma, if we're gonna talk trauma, trauma is it's not what happened to you. It's your body's response to what happened to you. And so trauma is a disassociation from self. And these are not my words. These are the words of a world renowned trauma expert, Dr. Gabor Mate. Mm-hmm. He's, um, he has dual citizenship in Hungary and Canada. He's incredible. And that says it all right there it's a disassociation from self. So, what the only way to heal trauma is is to work to get back to your true self, your your true core self, the essence of who you are who, when you were born into this world. So the, something interrupted that, something interrupted your essence. and we want to heal and get back to that. So
0: let's pause the there for, let's pause there for a minute, Rosie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I okay. completely agree with you. Uh, matter of fact, I'm writing a book about this exact thing, uh, returning oh. to the true authentic self. Um, what does the true authentic self look like? How do you define that? How do you see it? And what is, uh, let, let's start there. How would you describe the true authentic self?
1: When you are, you truly love yourself and you are comfortable in your own skin and you are comfortable being alone with yourself that's that's what i think it is you have love and joy um within yourself and you can you know how to take care of yourself and take care of your needs and you're aware you're conscious of your needs and then you can spill that that love uh, over to other people in your life
0: i believe that the true authentic self is the opposite of ego and our culture now <clears throat> the the california culture of image 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 is mm-hmm. is the opposite of the true self um, the car you drive the clothes you wear the fashion that you're wearing all of that is just image 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 and it's fun but it doesn't amount to a hill of beans and right. that who we truly are we're all the same at at our essence and we are all kind decent beings of light that just want to be accepted and and want nothing but to love and to be loved and that's all we are. And anything other than that that you appear to be is because you're out of alignment with that. You're out of alignment with your true self. So mm-hmm. if somebody is, um, on one extreme, a wild serial killer, that is somebody who's completely and totally lost themselves and mm-hmm. has been um, replaced and controlled completely by ego. And is the opposite of the true authentic self. The true authentic self, um, doesn't need to be better than anybody. The true authentic self is content. That's what I believe. And Mm -hmm. the, um, Hollywood culture is telling us that we are not enough. The true authentic self is not enough. Right. That, That instead we have to be image, 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 success, success, success. Uh, if you're not a billionaire, you're a loser. Um, and, and none of that is true. And all of that is the opposite of what humanity needs.
1: I completely agree. 100%.
0: (laughs) What is the scope? How big is, um, we're talking about child sex trafficking, but, um, sex trafficking in general, like how big is this issue in, in, Um, in the United States?
1: It is. It's an epidemic. It's huge. So globally speaking, um, it involves. Um, it's a hundred and fifty billion dollar industry, and um, it has surpassed the drug trade as far as worldwide uh, most lucrative worldwide criminal enterprises. So in the U.S., sadly, is the number one demand for, um, for sex trafficking
0: so where are these sex trafficked people and children are they in some basement somewhere in a in a network like um it's so underground it's difficult for me to imagine how anybody any authority was able to put a dollar sign on it Mm -hmm. but um like where are these people are these uh are they hiding in plain sight I mean, how do people, without without giving any hot tips of of how to find a sex traffic brothel, um, mm-hmm. like where are these people, and why why is it not more obvious, or is it right under our nose and we can't even see it?
1: Yeah, really good question, huge question, and it's a huge mix. So um, it can look like. The reason I am so passionate about this is because it's not my personal story, but it's very personal to me because I'm in a suburb of Minneapolis. And my friend um, in our community, her children were pulled into a very sophisticated sex trafficking network via the in home nanny. So the nanny served as the pimp. And um, while the parents were at work and they were tracked 24 7. Um, other people came into the home and violated the children. So they would, it's paid, paid rape. So uh, this was just utterly devastating uh, to learn about. I had some general knowledge of human trafficking. I had no idea the market for such young children. It's very vile. And um, I, after learning about it, it, literally i felt like someone just took me and threw me against the wall i and
0: I, it's it's horrible to say out loud but we're talking about kids that are 2 and 3 years old even
1: mhm yes like it's
0: just beyond freaking imagination and sometimes mm-hmm. the um the rape is so physically traumatic that it kills them
1: mhm and it's such a huge uh, trauma is so misunderstood because in talking about this i've had people say to me oh well they won't remember. They won't remember it. <laughs> like The body keeps the score. It, it, the body will always remember. And um, just interestingly enough, um, like I joined our state's anti-trafficking task force to educate myself, found out about really wonderful things going on in the community. And then uh, prevention education literally landed in my lap through a stranger. So, I thought, okay, that's a really empowering, empowering way to come at this issue. And it's there's a huge void, huge prevention void. We're we're all about being reactive, and you can't you can't live your life that way. If you truly want to uh, combat something, you can't be reactive. So uh, prevention is huge, huge, huge. Um, Going back to what prevention through education. Yes, in multiple forms of education. So within the school system is paramount, huge. There In the U.S., there are only a handful of states that mandate human trafficking education, which is really sad. So working to spread that, I have written a curriculum uh, that I partner um uh, I I wrote it and my prevention partner produced it. So through Childhood Victories, we bring that to schools and we target the states that actually mandate it. And um, but, Bat, do you want me to still answer what human trafficking looks like? Like Yes. Okay. So it can human trafficking can follow um, chaos and large events. You know, Super Bowl, Final Four um, and chaotic situations in our, you know, we've had a lot of, um, chaos in Minneapolis over the past three years and, um, rioting and, uh, traffickers and gangs absolutely took advantage of that 100%. So there were some horrific cases, um, and horrific cases and, um, circumstances that unfolded. And, you know, as just a citizen, I'm, I'm I'm just a mom, you know. I'm I learned about something that was just unimaginable to me, and you know, I can make a difference. You can make a difference. Everyone can make a difference just by being more aware. Uh, you don't have to go start your own, own nonprofit or start kicking down doors with a rescue org. You can actually make a difference by being aware of what to look for. So, in one neighborhood locally, there was um, a sex trafficking ring that. Um, ensued after the riots, and um neighbors were just amazing in helping uh, take it down. So different buyers are called Johns, so Johns were floating in the neighborhood um going in and out of an apartment uh, every fifteen minutes. and there were some horrific things happening there. Let's talk um, let's
0: talk about the Johns. Um, first, are there ever female Johns? it's gotta be really rare.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, but
0: yeah, it's by and large males, but yes, there are females. Mm -hmm. It does happen, but uh, rare. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the Johns. Um, Mm -hmm. Sometimes they look like the creepy guy in a in a white van because I'm Mm -hmm. pretty sure I met one in my early 20s. Okay, Um, pretty sure I did, but um, creepy is all hell.
1: Okay, uh,
0: but most of them, would you say? There's no way to tell.
1: Yes, they are upper typically upper middle class white males. Filling filling unmet needs, voids or have huge egos or huge bank accounts extra huge time.
0: egos. What's the link there? So we're talking about narcissists.
1: Yeah, or disembodied, disconnected from themselves that they don't care about a conscious relationship and they're uh, they're using a person with a human being, with a soul using that person for a sex act that can often be violent. And uh, yeah, I I just refer to them as disembodied people because they're really so detached from themselves that they look at another human being as an object. How does that person benefit me? I don't care about that person. I don't care that that's someone's daughter or son or child. I, you know, they just are all in it for themselves. So
0: There was a realtor that I used to work with, and he was well-known, he, he very successful. He did really, really well. Um, no point in, in, in bringing up his name, but uh, he was found with a whole lot of child porn on his computer
1: mm-hmm. and
0: subsequently charged, convicted, lost his license, and uh, don't know what he's up to now. But is it possible or probable that uh, somebody like that would have all this child porn and not be acting on it?
1: Mm, yes. Yeah.
0: Is it, yeah. is it, is it, is it possible? Is it probable though?
1: Sure. There, I mean, it totally, that is it. You know, you see it across the board, but.
0: So there are some know, people it. that do draw a line at, uh, at the porn images.
1: Hmm. Yes. There's a really excellent documentary that's free called raised on porn and it's only 36 minutes and i highly recommend it especially for parents and teenagers to watch because it's just um super commonplace now um you know kids and at their access to porn and it is it's um contributing to a lot of Horrific situations and scenarios and sexual assaults that we're seeing um, with young, younger and younger children. So the trickle down effect is is there, and we're it, we can't play cleanup fast enough. Parents are the number one, um, the very first line of defense in protecting their kids against this.
0: My wife is a school principal of a middle school, and when I told her about uh, my behavior in middle school, she's like man, that's a red flag. Those are all red flags. So mm-hmm. what are some of the red flags of child's behavior that says, oh, my God, there's there's a kid that's probably um, being sexually interfered with?
1: A really great question, and that can look a lot of different ways. I would say the biggest thing is a change in behavior from their typical behavior. So a change in friend groups, um, if they're they might be controlled or manipulated by someone and um you know drop out of their a sport that they love or you know dropping friends being um secretive uh super attached to their phone they might have more than one phone and um withdrawing and you want to look for signs of um even behavior like Hypersexualized uh, ways of dressing um, or also, you know, if sometimes when kids are really hurting, they might start cutting themselves um, or abusing drugs or alcohol. Um, so it looks, it looks different in lots of different, in lots of different kids. But the biggest one is a, a shift in behavior from what is typical.
0: And I remember when I was uh, a kid, probably grade six, and there was a girl living down the street. She was a foster kid, <laughs> the, mm. the tip, the uh, uh, proverbial redheaded foster kid. And uh, she would be sexually flirting with those substantially older than her. And even, mm. even as a child, I, I realized, oh, my God, there's probably something going on in that house. Mm-hmm. With with those with that foster father or uh, foster brother or something like that, mm-hmm. and um, what does a person even do? So let's say you see it; it's quite clear that somebody is hypersexualized. That there's mm-hmm. a, a, a young girl or a young boy um, acting out sexually, and, uh, and perhaps even towards adults. What what do you do? Like how do you even deal with that? Because um, it's a hell of a hot potato. I mean, you don't mm-hmm. want to falsely accuse anybody, but how do you address right.
1: it? Um, I would try to get the school counselor involved as a first step to um, to see, you know, check in with the student and see how things are going establish a trusted relationship. And um, within that trusted relationship, you can see if anything could be disclosed. Um, because a person is going to have to want to ask for help first because they could be so very manipulated and um, perhaps the perpetrator is inducing fear if they say anything that, you know, some, you know, serious threats are made. Uh, so you have to be very, very cautious with that. But um, getting the person uh, who you think could be a victim to trust trust you so that's why I said the school counselor route if you if you suspect trafficking uh, for I would definitely call um, your trusted law enforcement if you have a oftentimes law enforcement with um, like patrol officers don't typically have human trafficking training it's usually one of the expert detectives who like is in you know Perhaps in drugs and human trafficking uh, i would I would go to someone in law enforcement with that level of expertise and um and get try to get help if you suspect trafficking
0: is there a trafficking link with the foster care system do predators do, do predators uh, uh is it common for predators to try to become foster parents
1: mm-hmm it is yeah. It is, and that's in multiple sectors, as well. Yep. So it's really sad. Is that part of um, your
0: education? Like, do you deal uh, with the foster care system personally as an educator to say, "Hey, this is what to look for, and this is how to filter them out and weed them out?"
1: I don't personally, but from sto- you know, from my education and research and real world uh, situations, yes there is an overlap. But that's why it's extremely important to educate um parents, kids and educators and in many different sectors about what to look for and teaching kids, you know, what um What are some tricky behaviors? Like, what if someone's giving you a lot of attention and just thinks, you know, you're amazing and super complimentary and gifts and they're like too good to be true? Well, they probably are too good to be true. If someone's just cranking up the charm, um, that's a red flag. And um, if someone, someone is trying to be too controlling in your life, um, someone new, that so you're dating someone new and they're trying to dictate um, who you hang out with, when you hang out with them, what you do and how you spend your time. That's another red flag. So uh, teaching people not to override that initial gut instinct um, is huge. It's, it's huge. And we lived in such a distracted age where people are really disconnected. People are so busy. Parents want to just schedule their kids like crazy. And that, I mean, I think sports are incredible. They're amazing. I love sports and it's really important for kids in their development, but there's a balance. And so when you are so overly scheduled and have no downtime, you don't get to be in touch with yourself. You're very distracted. So just... Carving out quiet time to be in touch with yourself, to give yourself um, permission and time to think about, you know, think about these relationships and who's a trusted person in your life. And if something does happen to you, um, just know you're never alone. And if you've been assaulted, it's never, ever your fault. And especially if it's someone in your own household and you are struggling there's there are people uh who will help you uh within the school system within the within the community within your you know the coaching community so it's super important to reach out to more than one person keep reaching out and connecting until you get the help you need and deserve because this issue is just on the rise and um assault sexual assaults and particularly violent ones, are just increasing because of not only people who can't break the cycle, but like I mentioned, the uh, what people are digitally consuming. It's quite dangerous what's happening and what's unfolding. So it's really important to get outside your comfort zone, put your own issues aside, deal with your own trauma, and um, be able to have real conversations about it to help other people.
0: Am I just missing it, or is there... Just not a lot of political will to deal with this. Because I, I don't see it on, when people are running for election in the States or in Canada. I don't hear it on anybody's platform talking about uh, sex trafficking or child sex trafficking. I don't see There's anybody talking about it.
1: There's a reason for that, Mark. There's a reason.
0: All right, QAnon, let's hear it.
1: <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I, I'm, in this, I'm in this because of all real worlds, you know, real I, situations that have happened. Well, I know, yeah. and I
0: said this with Craig. Um, uh, people really have to make sure that they don't sound like QAnon. Um, what I think QAnon is, is I think it was a very carefully orchestrated um, counterintelligence propaganda. So a controlled opposition kind of thing where uh, they took two truths and a lie or two lies and a truth, and there's your QAnon. Some of it's true, some of it isn't. You can't make heads or tails about what is and what isn't. But at the end of the day, um, I don't know how else to look at it, that there is a whole lot of people in power, whether it be the court system and, and in politics, who are pedophiles. I don't know how else to say it because how else is it ignored for mm-hmm. most normal people? It's the greatest, uh, the idea that your children are being uh, raped. It's mm-hmm. what could possibly be worse than that? It's mm-hmm. torture. It's yeah. torture through, through sex. And, um, I don't know what could be worse. So mm-hmm. if it's so horrific, why is it that there's no political will? And why is it that, that judges tend to not prosecute a whole lot and that law enforcement doesn't put more um, uh, effort into it? The only so, uh, logical leap that I can make, and it's not a leap, the only logical steps that, uh, that this takes me is that there's got to be people at the top uh, who themselves are pedophiles or supportive of. Um, mm-hmm. or empathetic too for, for some reason. It, now, from your experience working in this world, uh, am I way off base or do you think that this is uh, might be the case?
1: You're not off base, Mark. You're well, not off base. that
0: sucks. I want to be off base.
1: <laughs> but I will, t- I mean, it's money and power and greed are roots of Many evils in this world. And so, what I will tell you is that there are far more good people than not. And we just need to get some conscious people back in power who uh, value human life and human decency and respect all humans. So, um, I'm holding out for that. Uh, but they're, I mean, like, they're incredible. I've met. Incredible people in this in this area um, doing truly remarkable and wonderful things, and it gives me a lot of hope. Um, I've it, it, prevention is where my heart is. I've also learned about some incredible healing modalities to help uh, release trauma, and that's been just a, a godsend to me personally because it's a huge reminder. I feel like. Uh, God gifted that to me through another um, human trafficking pioneer who's done some incredible work in this realm. Well, tell to, me, tell
0: me more about that healing modality.
1: Um, I've learned about a very simple uh, trauma release, and uh, last fall, and I've been practicing it on people in my life, and I'm seeing some miraculous results. So, I'm starting to teach people in in the healing world and the trauma world about it, and it's a it's a beautiful thing so um I feel like within healing trauma it's I, you may not it's not effective to just look at one modality um for example, like just talk therapy you're gonna need to do something else, for example, like move your body. Um, exercise because trauma can be stored kind of like little pockets in your body and come out in different ways. And it, as we talked about, it can manifest in different ways. Let's say you were, um, you know, sexually abused as a very young child and you may not remember it, but your body remembers it. And you've been suffering from anxiety and debilitating depression for years and you just don't know how to get to it. But part of the healing, um, You know, can be like Lisa, you had on a previous podcast, talked about hypnotherapy, going back to um, some root causes of issues. And within the healing modality, I learned it's all about um, it involves some breath work and um, it involves tapping. So like EFT, emotional freedom technique, tapping, it involves um, naming what you want to release and giving that a number, just like if you go to the ER and you're in pain, okay, Okay. what's your pain scale? So naming, let's say, let's say I'm working with someone who has been trafficked and, um, they are now in a safe environment, but it's going to take their body quite a while to come down to feel safe because they haven't felt safe for a long time. And, um, if they're being violated multiple times a day, you know, that is really going to vary with how someone can, um, you know, come down from that and be in a, you know, feel safe. So I can ask them to name, first of all, they have to trust me. So uh, establishing a relationship with the person and um, trusting me. And so if you, it's one, on one hand, you know, when you share a problem with a friend, with a trusted friend, you know, that's a release in, in itself, right? You can get it off your chest and and share and then um, you can do tapping on yourself. There are lots of wonderful resources online about EFT and um, tapping at different points and releasing some stresses, saying a mantra um, to yourself. That can be super helpful. But then if if I'm coming in and the person trusts me and they can not only talk and talk about what they want to release and I can do work on their body, um, that's that's huge. It's it's really huge. So let's say I'm working with a young um, trafficking survivor who really wants to release the fear, and so I would ask the person to name the the level of fear that they're experiencing. Let's say it's an eight. I want to work with them until we can get that down to a one or a zero. So I would go through um uh I would go through some breath work, and I will just um. I will meet the person where they are at spiritually or religiously. If they want to incorporate a prayer, I'm more than happy to. Um, if they want to, you know, say a mantra to the universe, I'm happy to do that too. I will do whatever um, is aligned for them. And in all reality, before I'm going to meet with a person, I do a grounding myself. And I can walk you through a grounding if you like. Sure. And Ground, would,
0: Grounding is good. Let's do it.
1: Um, Okay, so I do a grounding with myself and I just ask God to move me aside and um, allow me to be a healing conduit for um, to provide light, love, and healing for the person I'm with for the greater good of of that person. And so um, I'm channeling when I'm doing it. I'm having like energetic surges come through me and it's it's really amazing and beautiful and I'm learning, uh, how to, um, by grounding, which I'll walk you through, grounding is really important to do most days and you can just take a few minutes and do it because it's getting in touch with you and your energy and how you feel in your body. And so then you're better able to uh, recognize if you're spinning on a situation or or um, someone else's really rough day or attitude is rubbed off on you, or someone else's trauma is kind of stuck to you. Um, so <laughs>
0: that ha- that a- happens to me in this doing this show. Yeah.
1: Okay. Well, we need to have a further conversation. So, <laughs> so you can you can help yourself by grounding yourself, recognizing your own energy, and staying in your own energy, and then. Um, when you're done working with a person or like a podcast and you've heard some horrific stories and um, feeling retraumatized or feeling the pain of that person, there are things that you can do to separate yourself from that person. So so you want to walk through a grounding?
0: Yeah let's let's okay. do it walk through it
1: okay all right, so if, if anyone listening is, is driving, save this grounding for another time, okay? <laughs> do not do it while you're driving, but find a quiet space in your home. It's really great to do kind of in the morning or evening, I find, or any time during the day um, that you need to reset. It's just like a reset for yourself. So you would um, close your eyes and take some deep breaths um, just at your own pace, And then I would just ask you to do a body scan. So start at the top of your head and scan down your body, scan down to your shoulders. Bring that awareness into your arms and take it down to your elbows. Take it down to your wrists and hands. You can wiggle your fingers if you want to. And bring that awareness back up to... Um, the base of your spine, your neck, and let it travel down your spine and all the way down to the base of your spine. Take that awareness, and as you're continuing to breathe, take that awareness down to your knees and all the way down to your ankles and bring that awareness to your feet. you want to have your feet planted on the floor, and have a straight spine when you're doing this. And um, when you're thanking your feet for all that they do for you during the day and carrying you around, um, you can um, bring up really wonderful grounding earth energy. And so you can imagine that your feet have roots. um, And so you are spreading those roots out and you're gathering up positive, good earth energy to keep yourself grounded. So you can... Play around with your imagination there. And still using your breath, you can bring up that good grounding earth energy. Um, bring it up through your ankles. Breathe it up to your knees. And take it up all the way to your hips. And breathe it up. Keep breathing it up all the way to right below your ribcage. And fill yourself up with that good earth energy. And then take your awareness to the crown of your head and um, you can take that energy, feel that energy go down to the base of your spine and all the way down to your tailbone. And you can pretend that you have a cord or a tail and you can drop that into the earth. And you can release through that anything that's not serving you right now. So if you picked up any energy from someone, if you're spinning on a conversation, you can consciously release that, drop that, anchor a cord. I like to picture um, like a tail, like a dragon's tail or something, dropping a cord. Or you can picture an actual um, outlet cord. Drop it in and, and ground yourself into the earth. And breathe, breathe yourself back into your body and take a couple more deep breaths. And wiggle your fingers, rub your thumbs against your fingers, and you can breathe yourself back into the room. You can say your name, Mark, welcome back. Um so that's a really great—that's a really great grounding um, that I like to do uh, with people before I start a healing session with them.
0: I like that one. It's a variation of ones that I've uh, heard before. The tail's new. I like the tail. And, oh, there you go. <laughs> uh the, the visions of mycelia that I was getting was was pretty cool. And um, for for those that uh, aren't quite there, and they'll dismiss it as woo woo. I being in the space that I'm in, in the circles that I'm in, the number one thing that has um, got to be meditation for people that are say it's changed their life. It, it's just it's been it's been the difference. And what we just did a grounding meditation, um, so important,
1: mm-hmm.
0: so so important because all the uh, the worries go away as you're focusing on the good. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, focusing on good things and self care as a instead of all the noise that uh, that's only getting louder in the world with a, with social mm-hmm. media between Facebook and Instagram and everything else, just noise, noise, noise. And I think TikTok's got to be the worst. I don't have it on my phone, but every now and then I see those videos. Like, oh my god, is that ever addicting? You could do that all day long. Oh. You know, but it's just I, toxic.
1: Yes, I do refrain from TikTok, but. <laughs> I don't, oh, pop I, on.
0: I don't tick to the talk. No, not this guy. I got my limits. Facebook is horrible enough, but I filter it.
1: We, Good for you. Good for you. I'm filtered on Facebook, so I have a lot of censorship on Facebook for me. But, <laughs> but this um, modality that I was taught and trained how to do, um, because of me practicing it, I've seen some really really amazing breakthroughs for people, people who have been through some serious uh, sexual trauma. I know someone who experienced um, drugging in college and waking up in a bed where she didn't know what she, where she was. And uh, during COVID, um, because she had quiet time, she was having some repressed memories of previous abuse bubble up. And it was so... Um, it was so debilitating for her that she was experiencing seizures, and um, which is really scary. So she got the help that she needed from a trauma specialist, and I shared this, what I learned with her, and she asked me to practice on her, and I was so um, just amazed to hear she messaged me the next week that she had a breakthrough and she was starting to think differently, feeling some joy um, come back to her. And so I thought, wow, that's incredible. So I've also practiced it on other people who have been through some serious traumas, and um, it's been miraculous. It's been wonderful. So it's I think it's um, too good to keep to myself. It's really important to to teach other people um, who are open and in tune. To this, I feel like every single um one of us have we all have these capabilities, uh, we really do. We're just um, busy and disconnected and conditioned, and um, maybe a little dogma sprinkled in there, <laughs> and uh, and so we may not think it's possible, but it, it is really possible. So it's part of it is getting out of your own way and and reformulating your way of thinking into um into how you can be a conduit for big changes, miracles, healing for other people. Because it's really, it's, it's beautiful. And I'm, I know that, you know, God positioned certain people in my life to share this with me because this realm is very dark. The, um, you know, the tentacles of human trafficking are further reaching than really we can fully grasp. And so by shining a light on it is huge. Um, By talking about it is really huge. Engage, I would encourage people to engage in a nonprofit in their area, a vetted nonprofit. Um, Anyone can look up a nonprofit's um, tax forms, (laughs) their filings online. So vet them to make sure they're doing good work and that they're honest about their numbers And um, there are lots of amazing groups and people doing wonderful things uh, within this space. So my heart's in prevention and healing because um, I feel like that keeps me in a safe zone because sometimes the stories that I hear can be really just so disturbing and vile that I have to take a step back, take a break, um, ground myself (laughs) Re, re- can, you know, connect with my loved ones <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, you can connect. If you're feeling disconnected, you can go back to what I like to call healthy, familiar things, um, things that make you feel safe and grounded. I think let my it.
0: my bucket list is to spend a month or two with Craig Sawyer and help him kick <laughs> kick a couple doors.
1: Hey, that's, uh, that's I used to be pretty be good amazing. at that stuff.
0: I think maybe he'll well, let me.
1: Uh, I'm sure he he will need you and that would be awesome.
0: Rosie, thank you for making the time to be on the show today and for re-exploring this. Um, it's something that I will circle back to again and again. I'm working on getting Paul Brandt. Paul Brandt is a uh, country music star that um, has agreed to be on the show but I just haven't got him booked yet. So uh, his soapbox is all about um child sex traffic as as well and because he's um an list celebrity he's got a bit of a voice and we need more voices out there and more education which is what you do so that people can protect themselves protect their children and know the signs so that uh, we can keep our kids safe because if we can't do that then what the hell's the point
1: Right. Well, I commend you, and I'm really grateful that you are broadening your platform to to approach this topic. It's it's really really important, and I'm so grateful for you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Rosie, and please stay on the line. You're listening to Operation Tango Romeo, the Trauma Recovery Podcast for veterans, first responders, and their families. Hello, my friends. Thank you for sharing your time with me today. I hope you found value in today's episode. If you found this episode helpful, healing, or informative, please let me know by leaving a rating on either Spotify or Apple. And please, share, share like the sugar bear on all of your social media channels. Because sharing is caring.